0: Listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 131 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts this week, Cal, with me, my good brother, good friend, and co host, the guy that runs our Twitter page. It's Liam. Liam. Welcome to episode 131 of the DCAU Review. That's right. Glad to be here. We are back covering Batman the Animated Series for the entire month of November. We're excited to jump back in. We've got a classic episode to talk about, but not only that, Cal, we have our second ever special correspondent. We have the colorist of Batman The Adventures Continue and several other projects, Monica Kabina. Monica, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, we are just super excited here. We've been fanboying all <laughs> week about this in anticipation. Uh, not only do we get to have somebody that's like a major player in the DCAU and the creation of the DCAU on our podcast, uh, we also get to talk about one of the landmark episodes in Batman the Animated uh, Series history. This one usually ranks towards the top of most people's favorites list. Liam and, and, and almost got him. So it's an exciting historic day here at the DCAU Review. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're super excited to be here. As Cal mentioned, this is a, a great episode to talk about and uh, the show, all the different villains and everything that we'll get to as we jump into plot here, we'll get mine and Cal's takes on it. But first, we do have a couple just basic interview questions. We want to do some due diligence. If you happen to somehow be listening to the show and not know who Monica is, like I mentioned, she's uh, currently the colorist on Batman The Adventures Continue, which is, uh, as we found out, is not over. We have one more, at least one more issue coming. That's right. And we're very excited about that. But we just had a couple of questions we wanted to ask Monica, just to let you introduce yourself a little bit more on a personal level to our audience. Yeah. So, Monica, uh, for those that are not in the know, uh, how did you get your start in comics?
1: I got my start, I was actually working in makeup at the time for film. I was doing effects makeup. And um, a friend asked me by chance if I'd be interested in trying out as a colorist at a place called Electric Crayon. And they were primarily doing um, the Marvel books. They were doing a lot of X-Men and Spider-Man Hulk and whatnot. And um, I thought it sounded really cool, but I had just gotten out of school and I had just started working. So I didn't think that it would be my um my future but Mm -hmm. it was so exciting that I couldn't turn it down and uh, (laughs) so I brought in my portfolio and I showed my paintings and my sculptures and everything and they hired me so it's sort of my story is the inverse of most people's where they work really hard and then they get in (laughs) I got in and then I had to work hard to stay
0: (laughs) wow well that's awesome. Well, um so I guess uh, our our second question would be then what what was your first exposure to the DCAU or you know the Batman animated series universe?
1: It was actually yeah, the Batman the animated uh series uh it was interesting because I was working for Marvel at the time and I was just absolutely in love with Batman, the animated series. And I was like, why can't I work on this? (laughs) Here we are so many years later, and this is where I'm at. And it's just been, um, you know, the best. It's been what I've always wanted to color and not just Batman, but in the style of the animated series
0: absolutely well uh if you again if you're if you've not listened to our episodes reviewing the batman the adventures continue series you can hear us guffal over uh monica's coloring and uh and ty templeton's uh beautiful artwork for that entire seven uh, issue series run so we encourage you to check those out in the archives at dcaereview.com uh we said over and over again monica that was that was the highlight every every absolutely. single week being being able to digitally open up that book and see what you you guys had brought us uh, visually that week. It was always a highlight. So thank you for all that work that you the hard work that you guys did. Thank you. And hopefully, hopefully we'll see more in the future. All right. Uh, well, with that introduction, Liam, I guess it's about time that we uh, start talking about today's episode. And with Monica being our guest correspondent today, she is going to be giving her own scores for our categories today. Liam, why don't you uh, for any new listeners we have just break down our four categories for them before we get into our uh, plot synopsis here? That's right, Cal. So we have four main categories that we break down every single episode or movie or what what have you that we review. and those four categories are the plot, the visuals and or animation, the music, And finally, voice acting. Those are our four main categories. We also have the ability on occasion to throw out a little bonus point where if something isn't covered in those main categories or there's just a special moment or something in the episode that we want to shout out, we will also throw in a bonus point from time to time. But that will leave us to at some point, we will all give our final scores, which will be blank out of 40. Perfect. Awesome uh so we've had several episodes uh rank uh perfect 40 out of 40s, just a few uh, you can check those out also in the archives at dcaureview.com uh so this one again as we mentioned almost got them, is one that typically ranks pretty high on people's lists so i'm interested to see where sure. we all rank this episode today uh monica we're going to throw it over to liam for the uh, imdb synopsis for this week's episode and then we'll start talking All right, so I will do this in my best announcer voice, and this is for Almost Got Him, which was written by Paul Dini, directed by Eric Radomsky, with music by Stuart Balcom, and animation by Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. In a bar, a collection of Batman's enemies chat about their failed attempts to kill him. That's uh, that's that's short and to the point. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually. uh, Sometimes we complain when the synopsis synopses are that brief, but that actually does pretty much encapsulate our story, which is uh, we arrive at some sort of dark, dank, uh, musty jazz club where the Joker, the Penguin, Poison Ivy, Two Face, and Killer Croc, as far as we know at that point in the episode, are there to. uh, They're all hiding out from Batman for various reasons and. While they're playing cards, they decide to each tell a story about a time they, as the episode title would suggest, almost got him. I want a nice, clean game, gentlemen. That'll be a first. So I hear you know who nailed the Mad Hatter last week. No kidding.
1: He sure gets around for one guy. Yeah, well, that's where you're wrong. I don't think it is one guy. Huh? Well, I figure it. Gordon's got a bunch of them stashed someplace like a SWAT team. He wants you to think it's
0: one guy, but... yeah you're always seeing double. It's obvious our cape friend suffered some crime-related trauma when he was younger. Perhaps an over-anxious mugger blew off a piece of his face. Sure, <laughs> he could be all gross and disgusting under that mask. No offense, Harv. Uh,
1: just deal. Well, you know what I think?
0: Not the robot theory again. Well, he could be. You'd think one of us would have got him by now. I've come the closest. Are you kidding?
1: I was the one who nearly... <laughs> Nobody's come closer to snuffing the Batman than me.
0: In uh, your Get out of my face. The fact of the matter is we each have an almost gotten Batman story. I know mine's the best, but let's hear yours anyway. I'd say ladies first, but since we don't have any, (laughs) we'll start with you, Pam. That's right. So we start off with Poison Ivy and she tells a tale of uh, of her almost getting Batman with some exploding pumpkins <laughs> monica what did you think of exploding pumpkins as a way to to foil the batman
1: yeah i <laughs> i wouldn't have thought poison pump exploding pumpkin <laughs> um yeah <laughs> so i was kind of surprised by that one
0: <laughs> we talked about it before. She also very specifically says that the, the pumpkins are filled with her words. Exactly. Poison Ivy gas, which we yeah. were trying to figure out if she was trying to get the brand over. Like she trademarked <laughs> the gas, like poison ivy gas trademark. Yeah, like yeah. it's, it's a very specific type of concoction that she's like, gonna... does she now sell that to other cr- super criminals who, <laughs> is that like her side hustle is to sell this poison gas to other like DC and D list villains. Uh, well, after momentarily getting the upper hand, uh, Poison Ivy uh, is s- suddenly foiled by the old Batmobile, Liam, in a, in a uh, scenario that wouldn't be out of place in the last Batman Arkham game. Uh, <laughs> he, he's sort of foiled by the by the Batmobile. And then our next story, and, and to me, one of the most interesting ones, is the story that Two-Face shares, where we get the introduction and sort of the backstory for how Batman came to... Uh, Get a hold of that giant penny for the Batcave. That's right. As uh, as Jack Nicholson asked in the nineteen eighty nine Batman, we always want to know where he gets those wonderful toys. That's right. And in this case, or in this case, I guess the display items that he has in the Batcave. Um, <laughs> and yeah, here they decided to give it a little origin. And this is a very. This feels like something out of uh, either the Adam West show or some of those like fifties and sixties comics where. They're at like the U.S. Mint or something. And for some reason, there's just a giant penny there. (laughs) So naturally, what else would Two-Face do but tie him to that giant penny and try to uh, literally flip it using a giant uh, ton of gold bricks to flip Batman into the air and hopefully kill him? I mean, what what better way would there be to kill kill Batman? Yeah, yeah, we talked about it, and Monica, feel free to chime in if you have any thoughts. But we talked about before we went on the air that this story seems like a very like Eric Radomski is is responsible for the direction of this episode, and this whole episode feels like a very '60s centric batman story that could have taken place where you have superhero or super villains all hanging out playing cards together and they're talking about these crazy uh things that happened to them or that all, where they almost got batman and they almost all involve these crazy over-the-top props and scenarios that maybe were a little bit outside of the realm of the normal batman the animated series
1: yeah i i like that his uh choices there are either get crushed to death or To um, break every bone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Either way, it seems like a viable option that Batman's not going to be a a formidable foe at that point. (laughs) Here's the deal: the coin lands face down, you'll be squashed flat. It lands face up, it'll just break
1: every bone in your body. (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) yeah I I think they they came up with a pretty creative way for him to get out of it too because of course Two-Face takes his belt off and it's like how do you how do you how does Batman get out of something when he's all tied up where he steals they made a point of like showing and we'll get more into this in visuals I'm sure but they make a point of showing you that uh, Two-Face's coin has these like very jagged edges to it and of course Batman and right before Batman is tied up he like grabs Two-Face by the lapels and yeah. we find out that he actually grabbed that jagged coin and is able to use that to free himself so it's yeah. all as you met as you both talked about it's very silly and <laughs> in in just like what it is when you look at it from a top-down view but yeah I think it's it's a it's another clever little uh, little vignette of uh, of of a little Batman adventure we didn't get to see it's this kind of like you know, like old shows or like sitcoms do like clip shows. Yeah. That's kind of what this is, but we this it's like clip shows from episodes we never saw. <laughs> That's kind of how it feels to me. I like yeah. it. Monica, do you have any thoughts? So we also had a question about this. So Two-Face introduces, and this also made it feel very 60s. He stole $2 million uh, and also involved the Two-Ton Gang. So there's four members of the Two-Ton Gang. Do you think that means they each weigh 1,000 pounds? <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: So my scenario, Monica, was that uh, they are a British gang. And so they they always have a lot of pounds because they steal money. They steal like British money. Uh-huh. But then they came to America, and they're like, "Oh, they always have pounds with them." And then so they, so it's like a double play where it's first, it's a reference to them stealing a lot of pounds, mut meaning money, but also right. they have so many pounds that they're worth two, that like they're they weigh two tons. Okay. So like I'm I'm really like I'm really doing some like mental gymnastics on it, but yeah, that's what I settled yeah. on. We didn't have any We just did, didn't know if you had a theory on why unless they no, weigh a thousand I never pounds. Thought about it. <laughs> this is how our minds work unfortunately we're like there's four guys how how could they be the two-ton gang unless they each weigh a yes. thousand pounds that is interesting.
1: yeah i have no idea
0: so much in the way that we had to try and before we had the actual origins of one mr wing we had to try and come up with a story in our heads <laughs>
1: story, yeah. our head
0: cannon of 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 how these characters so we had to come up with our own head cannon for, yeah. for the two-ton gang We'll have, we'll have to wait and see if Paul Dini and Alan Burnett write uh, the Two Ton Gang into uh, the next issue, the uh, eighth issue of. Yeah, if you have any pull cool with that, see continue. if you can get them to give us the backstory for the Two Ton Gang. Yeah, all right, I'll see um, what I
1: can find out. <laughs>
0: okay, I really appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, of course, Batman foils Two Face, and then uh, we get a little sort of flashback to the table here at Liam, where the Joker every time these stories are told the Joker sort of commiserates in a way. And uh, I thought it was very funny that he commiserates with Harvey at this point, but also happens to lean over and look at Harvey's cards (laughs) uh, very subtly. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's a couple little, and again, we'll probably talk more about that in visuals, but yeah, there's a few different notes that note uh, at the end of the episode there near the end when the Joker wins the whole pot and takes everybody's money uh, that he may or may not have been using some uh, less, than, less than savory tactics out. Uh, throughout this episode as well. Yeah, they did some uh, some cute little uh, visual nods to that that I'm sure we'll get to. So next we have Penguin's story where he, he invites Batman to his aviary of doom. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, my ebon-winged adversary. You have taken the bait as I knew you would. Now, prepare to meet your end within my aviary of doom.
1: Aviary of what?
0: Yeesh, pangers. How corny can you get? Fa. Just because you mundane miscreants have no drama in your souls. Anyway, there he was in my av- uh, big birdhouse which uh, he is quickly made fun of for, which I thought was a great bit also. It uh, changes it to his uh, big bird house and uh, Batman really viciously attacks one bird with another bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, this is a, this is a very violent. It's one of those things where I'm surprised like a Saturday morning or I guess weekday afternoon, uh, cartoon was, they were allowed to get away with this at that point because not only does, uh, you know, yeah, Batman's fighting animals but then he has, yes, he grabs the poison tipped beak of a hummingbird and jabs it into the leg of a cassowary and which is congratulations on having name of yes. that bird. Cause I did not have that written down. Yeah. There's the, they're the <laughs> giant death birds from, I believe they're mostly located in Australia, but uh, very good. Uh, yeah. But they, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised they just got away from that from like a standards and practices uh, motif for sure. But of course, Batman foils, the penguin, he escapes and then we get to the Joker's story, uh, which coincidentally just happened the night prior to this <laughs> meetup here to, to play poker. And he shows that he took over some sort of late night show and put Batman in the laughometer chair, which is an electric chair that is, of course, functions on the amount of laughter that is like shoved into the speaker or something. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And just to make sure that there will be ample voltage. He then pumps the studio audience, which he has held hostage with laughing gas. So they (laughs) just to ensure that Batman will in fact be uh, properly fried by this. So the Joker is actually foiled this time, not just because of Batman's uh, cunning nature, but instead we get the introduction sort of seemingly out of nowhere of one Selina Kyle, AKA Catwoman who shows up and uh, foils the Joker's plot helps Batman escape. However, she herself is captured. And uh, that leads us to our final scene uh, where at that point, Batman Reveals himself <laughs> to be disguised as Killer Croc in one of the most awesome reveals ever. Monica isn't, I, I just think it's such a great plot device to have him be a part of this crew the whole time. Even as I speak, Catwoman is being trussed up at the Pussykins Pet Food Factory. First thing tomorrow, I'm sending a lovely case of cat food to Batman. I don't think so. Was it something I said? (laughs) Well, well, an imposter in our midst. Risking everything for your kitty, Batman?
1: You're not getting out of this one. Maybe.
0: But I'm not bad with traps myself.
1: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I was not expecting it when I saw <laughs> it the first time. So, you know, you want to go back and watch it again from mm-hmm. this point of view.
0: And but yeah, we, I think um, that's yeah, I think yeah. that's And one I of... like
1: how he, he he dumbs him down quite a bit when he does. Uh, <laughs> the, the part. I
0: was going to say, yeah, that's the best to me. The best part is watching this, knowing that twist, because then you get yeah. to see Batman like hamming, hamming it up as an actor. Yeah. Like he's he's going like he's playing a too good of a crock. Like he's making huh? him too dumb. <laughs> so, so good. Yeah. So good.
1: It was a big rock. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That, incredible that yeah yeah his him hamming it up as his killer croc is certainly one of the highlights and from what i my memory of seeing this episode the first time like it was just oh yeah as a child it was one of my favorite lines the big rock line was great yeah. um so then we we find out that uh, after batman reveals himself that it's been uh, a huge trap the whole time the rest of the bar is filled with a lot of guns many <laughs> many guns that i'm surprised that standards and practices allow them to show on a weekday afternoon kids cartoon but uh it is then revealed of course that there's still one last tale to tell and that is that uh batman must rescue catwoman and thankfully he does and then as the romantic scene on the end uh begins to build she turns away for a second and then wouldn't you know it batman gets away and she utters the phrase that the title of the old episode of surround around almost got him and there we have it So that is almost got him, Liam. And I got to say, it's a lot of fun. This episode, I I think if you you were to look at the plot compared to a lot of the other great episodes that we look at, we'll compare it to A Heart of Ice, where that episode is so serious and so heart-wrenching for what that character is. And you can certainly go back in the archives and hear our review of that episode and how much we Mm -hmm. love that episode. That episode is Emmy Award winning. It's well known how great that that episode is. This takes the polar opposite as far as tone is concerned and but still does a great job and reminds you kind of why you love these cartoons yeah i think it's i think just from a storytelling perspective it's it's a way to kind of it's never boring because the we get these like instead of doing your traditional three act structure where you your beginning middle and end uh you get to do these little vignettes where you just Batman shows up there's kind of a brief scuffle and then he saves the day and you move on to the next story, so you get to do like these. You get like like I said, you get to do like five mini episodes inside this one twenty-two-minute show. It's I think that that as just like as a storytelling device was a great idea and a way to kind of keep keep a keep a format fresh, especially as they're you know, they're quite a few episodes into the to the run at this point. For sure. Monica, one of the things that we like to talk about here on on this is and it's hard not to, because obviously Batman's a comic book character first and foremost, but a lot of times we talk about how episodes would work as comic books or translated into comic books do you see this as an episode that easily translate into a into a 2d book format format
1: yeah I do I I like all the mini stories within you know I mean you're you start somewhere and you're expecting to go in a certain direction and you come back around you you cover all these stories and um And then you end up somewhere completely different you expect um once you find out that batman's there you expect him to be there to um to capture someone not to find out something Mm -hmm. and um i like that he he doesn't want to have anything to do with them he just wants (laughs) the information and so then he takes off after that. I mean, he throws the Joker first, <laughs> but he uh, takes off after that,
0: for sure. Yeah, and it, I think it, that
1: would work in a comic book.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that some of the some some of the best comic books I feel like are made up of some of these little stories that stand on their own, mm-hmm. that sort of feed into a yeah. into a big story, even self contained into a single issue. So that was that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. But this would fit fit well into that, uh, into that format if need be. Um, All right, Liam, so I guess it's time for us to give our plot scores here. Uh, Because this episode is so enjoyable, it is absolutely legendary. I would say as far as, you know, we've talked about before, maybe being skeptical about (laughs) some of those lists that came out on the 25th anniversary. And Monica, you may or may not know, we actually started this podcast because of all the nerd sites that came out at the 25th anniversary of, uh, of Batman animated series. were ranking all the episodes from top to bottom, best to worst. And we looked at some of these okay. lists and we were like, no, they got it wrong. That can't be right. That's gotta be, that's not right. So we decided to do our own. And uh, so a lot of times we come into these classic Batman episodes, maybe with a bit of skepticism. Uh, we're also, at least I will admit to being a naturally like a contrarian at, at times and <laughs> And sort of like, I, I, I can advocate for that. It's his brother. Yes. <laughs> I'm a contrarian at time for contrarian sake. So coming into this episode, I was willing to, and, and it works. I think when you have, when you're reviewing something, sometimes you have to be a contrarian just so that you don't sure. drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. But with that said, I love this episode. I think it's perfect from start to end. It's so, it's so much fun. And it's an episode that stands out on its own and being just tonally very different than a lot of the other super serious, good episodes uh if you had any doubt i gave it a 10 out of 10 nice and uh i also in fact gave plot a 10 out of 10 for all the reasons that we have just discussed it's such a fun it's quick moving like there's not really a second that feels wasted but at the same time it doesn't feel like anything moves too fast like all of the little stories which each of the villain feel like they go about exactly as long as they should um so yeah i i had a lot of fun with this one uh what about you monica
1: I gave it a nine out of ten.
0: Nice, love <laughs> yeah. it. Right.
1: Um, I was torn, but I, <laughs> I, I there are some uh, episodes that are definite ten, so that's why I,
0: I respect um, that. Go yeah. with your instinct. It's
1: very close. <laughs>
0: we, we always say on this episode, go with your gut. Like, go with your yeah. gut. If you give it a nine first, and then you're like trying to wish yourself into a ten, you're not staying true to your rating. So, yeah, that's, right.
1: that's true. Yeah.
0: Love it. All right. Well, let's move on to our next category which we're very excited to talk about with monica seeing as how she is a digital artist and and works with this the visual aspect of things uh literally for her job uh so we're going to start discussing animation and visuals here for this episode which is just a smorgasbord of just amazing different things of course you have multiple different villains you have different settings um, you have, you know, various different, as we said, plot devices and things mm-hmm. and oversized gimmicks and all that. So <laughs> I'll throw it to Monica first and see, um, Monica, what stood out for you that you want to talk about as far as visually capturing your, uh, your eye?
1: Visually, I would say I really enjoy the deliberate uh, shift in the color schemes from each story. You know, mm-hmm. we, start out, we start out with a silhouetted background. And uh, so you don't see who's in the background. You just see um, your focus is on the main characters that Mm -hmm. are playing the card game at this green table. And you've got the, just this gradient going from yellow to blue and the overhead light. So it's just, they're the only ones lit. And I just really enjoy that, how that's just the, the scheme that they went with. That's very simple and then when we as we switch through the different um, narratives, we get poison ivy with lots of the pumpkin, the the oranges and the red, the mm-hmm. classic red sky. <laughs> and um, and then we get the fire with the explosions. For sure. And that's the only story I believe that has any explosions. Correct. And, um, or at least in color. Yep. And then, you know, from there we switch to Harvey um 2 Face with the they're at the mint at the gotham mint mm-hmm. and i like that their choice was to go with greens
0: yep everything's green and <laughs>
1: everything is green so that was really cool i like that and um and then what do we have next we have the penguin and there we have a blue sky we have a night sky
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um just all blues and cool tones So I I really liked how each story worked with the color schemes. And then with the Joker, I love that he pulls out the TV set and we get to watch his. uh, We don't just hear his story. We hear, we see it visually. We see the, the, actually the, the rest of the gang gets to see it. And um, so there we have all the black and whites, which Mm -hmm. works perfectly. Yep. And then from there on, we go back to the uh, the Pussykin's Cat Food Factory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there we've got just every color thrown in there. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> we've got all these colors, but somehow they work harmoniously together. For sure. We've got lots of warm colors. We've got cool colors. Um, we He brings in whoever it was, he or she. Um, I'm not sure who did the paintings, but... Um, we get a lot of the, um, the greens from the mint, and then we get some, some of the warmer tones from, um, I would say some of the reddish brownish tones we get on the, I think on the ground and Mm -hmm. some of the machinery. And, um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy that. And I love how just in the animated series, we've got, um, lots of, um, um, different, different, um, flat coloring and overly rendered, all mixed together, and it just works beautifully.
0: It really is. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, we'll go back to the first the first one that you mentioned, as far as like the opening scene in that club. It's funny that you mentioned like the silhouettes and the gradients. Uh, we actually watched uh, on the the original DVD copies of these animated series. There's actually a, a commentary that Bruce Tim and eric adamski and paul dini just three of them them are doing they actually commented on that about how they actually took from the original they took that idea from the original max fleischer superman cartoons where they saw a scene that was just sort of backlit and had some silhouettes in it and realized that they could do something so minimalist while still creating something so atmospheric and i thought that that was so perfect i thought it was like Monica mentioned that I was like yes <laughs> like she like she was spot on with what exactly what they were going for too and it created that like smoky atmosphere that you would think yeah. that like a, a club would be where, where these these villains are playing poker um you know set in whatever decade it's set in but yeah all those like this is why we had you on Monica we wanted to hear, <laughs> oh, hear you break you. down the visuals this way <laughs> in a way that it's like, yes, the tones and the, the reds and the oranges. Oh, I have a question. I have a question if you noticed this because we we didn't debate this, but on the commentary, they mentioned that Poison Ivy's outfit was green. I mean, it was gray or black. They say black, black. Uh, specifically the Halloween, the Halloween outfit. Yeah, the Halloween in. outfit. They say she's wearing a black outfit, but I thought it was highlighted in green. I don't know if you noticed it or not.
1: I thought it was green too.
0: Okay, okay.
1: okay. I, We're going to go with the colorist. story... I know she didn't have anything on her legs. She didn't have Correct. shoes or, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's- so it's there's a highlight and they say it in the in the commentary. They're like, yeah, we decided we wanted to give her this black suit. And I was like, it's not black. It's definitely green, but I wanted to make sure I wasn't colorblind. <laughs> so Yeah,
1: I don't remember it. I would have remembered if it was black.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, so confirmed, Liam. All right, noted. He's, bit of he's like arguing, he's like yelling at me about this off the air and I'm like, dude, I don't have an opinion on this. Yeah. <laughs> like it's great it's great he's like ah, it's great it's great it's not great i'm glad you were here to break our tie on this (laughs) well fantastic well i thank you so like man like hearing an artist talk about that stuff is awesome uh we we had some probably some similar notes but definitely not as eloquently said uh liam what were your highlights as far as visuals were concerned for the uh for this episode so for me probably the standout visual moment and uh, they mentioned on the commentary track that it was storyboarded by uh glenn murakami who of course went on to produce the teen titans animated series and a bunch of other stuff he's a legend uh yes absolutely is the shot where uh, we talked about it in our plot where when batman finally reveals himself and his his voice changes to batman's voice and he grabs the Joker and throws him across and breaks the other table. This, you, we see a light is swinging in, in sort of the aftermath of it and it swings onto the Joker and then puts him back in shadow. And as the shadows take over Batman in this croc outfit, we get the sil the shadowed silhouette of the Batman suit, which I mean, in a like a re- quote unquote, realistic way, doesn't make a lot of sense, but like as a visual nod, of him like the the light just swinging onto him in the croc suit swinging off we see batman and then swinging back on to reveal its croc that's like that's such a cool way to do that reveal beyond the voice is uh is with that little light trick that they did agreed yeah that was that was one of the highlights it's interesting i think this they said this is one of glenn murakami's very first projects with uh batman the enemy series if not his very first project mm-hmm. uh so for him to storyboard something, uh, so, like it's just fits so well with the show that silhouette of Batman with just the eyes showing is, is mm-hmm. the, the most legendary image that you would think of Batman. And so for him to be able to fit that in, in a way that works so well, also at like revealing and winking to remember, this is a television show for, you know, kids, right? So if, if the kids haven't realized why is killer Croc talking with Batman's voice, <laughs> you now, you like, you now get the visual like, Oh, that's Batman. Like, yeah reveal i thought that was really great any any thoughts on the reveal monica
1: yeah that was my favorite part of Mm. the entire uh episode is the reveal of the the lamp swinging back and forth and just you see him and then it swings back and you see croc so that was really cool i
0: agree yeah it's it's that's great one of the other visually interesting things lamb that uh and there's so many because you you have each of these little vignettes which i think Mm. also is what makes this episode so great is you go to the two-face, uh, Two-Face scenario and we said, you know, he's tied to this giant penny, which may or may not have been out of scale based on how it's <laughs> used later on in, in various episodes, but we won't talk about scaling uh, so much yeah. this part. Uh, but the, as he drops the gold onto the actual, you know, the, the scale and flips the penny up in the air, there's a sequence where the the penny itself rotates 360 degrees And need we remind any listeners, this is all hand-drawn animation. So this is before, this is pre-digital animation here. Mm -hmm. So a three-dimensional, taking an object and making it go 360 degrees in this way, like it's, to me, it's the best, it's it's probably the second best sequence of the episode. Yeah, from like just a pure animation standpoint, the fact that they were able to pull that, that they had the like technical skill to pull off that image and have it look great. Yeah, because it's moving, you have to get, you know, set up with the background kind of that it's moving very quickly. And then at the same time, also do this kind of slow dramatic turn of the coin. Uh, And then also, you know, Batman has to be working with the coin to free himself at the same time. There's a lot of literal and figurative moving parts to that. And they, uh, they pulled it off really well. For sure. Now I would be remiss not to, we, because we are, critiquing this episode i would be remiss not to mention there were a couple flubs in this scene i'm gonna ask monica i'm gonna put you on the spot monica, and see if you <laughs> noticed it did you notice the flub in scene? the scene belt <laughs> yep yes you're absolutely correct yes batman clearly two face takes off his utility belt at, uh, at as as he awakens being held by the two-ton gang Uh, only for moments later to again uh, reappear on him and then later again to be off and then later again to be on it, switched on and off like three or four different times. So uh, Liam, I think you compared that almost to the inverse bat symbol. Yeah, that would be common on a lot of the old like Hanna-Barbera or Filmation Batman or Super Friends cartoons where all of a sudden just in a scene, Batman's bat would be yellow and the oval surrounding it would be black instead or, or you know we would just see inverted colors or sometimes like one character would be talking and another character's voice would be coming out of his mouth like just like little goofs like that that we were kind of used to with a lot of those older th- those older era of cartoons but it I think it stands out because it didn't happen very often in this animated series right Maki you, you can't relate to having any flubs like that ever right <laughs>
1: Yeah, that would never happen to me.
0: <laughs> Especially yellow bats. That's that's never... No, you, no that's way. Never, that's, if, if it's been done, it's only been done intentionally.
1: You know, I just pretend not to see it. <laughs> it didn't
0: happen. That's right. You
1: know what? Um When he's flying through the air, he doesn't have it, and that's good enough for me. <laughs>
0: that's, right. that's right. You know he needed the coin at that point. Yeah, because like, all... if he
1: had it while he was flying, that would really bother me. But uh, since... He didn't.
0: That's fine. I'll let there, it go. There you go. I love <laughs> it. Um, visually, though, I, this is this is just another fun episode. I think the characters, for the most part, seem to be very on model. Now, this is yes. this is the sort of Batman model that they use. That has the we've talked about it before. The couple variation of Batman models. This is the one with the sort of longer head with the droopy cow nose and the swoop swoop back ears. I think in that poison ivy it, it uh, vignette they said it was a it was a uh, independent contractor somebody that was a the storyboarder for that episode that Mm -hmm. may have only done this to me the ears in that were were like kelly jones length long (laughs) like they were just like way up there as far as as being maybe even off model for this version of that batman uh but with that said i mean it's it's hard to beat the visuals in this yeah, I mean, there's there's stuff to nitpick certainly, and we already have, but uh, <laughs> and and we and we'll do it again, don't you worry. But uh, but yeah, no, I I think there's for the most part just as we talked about. Uh, same with plot, just getting to see all of these different characters on the screen at the same time. Uh, the the visual gag is right at the start of the episode where it starts with just looking at everybody's hands, and you see the Joker pulling an ace, literally pulling an ace from his sleeve. Uh, we see, you know, the, the penguin pouring, pouring himself coffee. We see, uh, two face pouring half and half in his, like, there's a lot of like cute little visual gags like that within, uh, where they do like either close-ups on their faces, on their eyes or on their hands in some cases that I thought were, uh, were very, very clever as well. And then I think ultimately, and Monica, you mentioned it, but that having that last, the Joker scene being black and white and bruce tim actually talks about in the commentary that they wish that they had the opportunity to do an entire episode in black and white but mm-hmm. it's funny how what a it, like they used it as kind of a plot device to show because that's when the show was kind of set in they were made sure that it was sort of that retro uh that like current yeah. day present day retro look so all the cards are from the 1930s but mm-hmm. and all the technology is too but Uh, To me, I think it sets that scene very well. You mentioned that as you, you really enjoyed the way that it was completely set in black and white.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really, I think it worked really well.
0: Yeah, it's it's great. I think that it it's I mean that whole sequence is funny also the the idea of Joker hosting a late night show. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've actually seen that played out in the recent well on a on a late night show in the recent Joaquin Phoenix movie. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so certainly some elements maybe have have been borrowed from that going forward but uh such a great great sequence, just a great episode overall. I guess we can Get into our scores unless you have anything else to add for that. Well, I would be remiss not to mention because I'm a one note uh, character on this show. <laughs> um, that the, the last, last few shots of uh, Batman and Catwoman standing on the building, mm-hmm. you have the you know the bright blue sky and the big moon behind them as they're talking, and Batman standing there, cape flowing beautifully, beautifully <laughs> animated cape. That's some great hashtag cape movement. Um, I haven't gotten to talk about that in a while, so I just had to drop that in. And even Bruce Tim mentioned how beautifully on the commentary he mentioned how beautifully it was animated. So, yeah, that's that's some really good stuff. You I guys have say. an eye for Caitlin. that's right. <laughs> All right, so I guess it's time to give our final scores here for our visual and animation. Uh, a lot of great stuff here. The only thing that stuck out to me it had to be that it's the it's the belt it's the belt <laughs> gap. I couldn't I couldn't get past the belt gap. Uh, so because of that, I ended up giving uh, visual and animation a nine out of 10. Yeah, I went, uh, I went eight out of 10. I think there's a lot of great stuff in it, but that bothered me a little bit. And then again, it's just a stylistic choice, I guess, for depending on who was the storyboard artist or the, perhaps the animation company working on any particular episode, but I'm not a huge fan of the, I like, I like when the Batman is like super on model with the very square jaw and this sort of version with the very elongated chin and the, the long swooped back uh, ears is just uh, just not my favorite look of, of Batman. And and especially there's like a side profile shot at the end of the episode where the nose is like really drooping down on it. And I was like, man, you just need to get that resized Like that's just, that's too big for your head. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm certainly nitpicking here, but yeah, still a very strong episode with my eight out of 10. Uh, Monica, what about you?
1: Yeah, I gave it a nine out of 10. And yeah, Alrighty. the nose did bother me also at
0: the end. That's <laughs> <you know? laughs> good. I'm glad I'm not alone in that.
1: It's like, okay, should I go back and watch some more episodes <laughs> to see if it always looked like this?
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a I don't remember that. It's weird. It, and you you're in good company also because on that commentary, Bruce Tim also is it alludes okay. to not being a fan of the of the droopy nose either. So yeah, it always it always throws me off a little bit too. Um, as long to me though. Because there are there are some episodes where that style is the is the model for that episode. And to me, as long as it kind of stays on model for the entire episode, I kind of I'm like able to say, okay, at least it's on model for this episode. That's fair but enough. I, I also do prefer the more like square jaw, it's certainly yeah. tighter fitting bat mask. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music uh this week's music of course uh, the late great shirley walker was the composer uh, she worked also with Stuart balcom i believe mm-hmm. uh, on some of the pieces here uh what are your thoughts on music uh yeah i think there's uh there's some good stuff we get like a nice little jazzy intro to the episode as the Super title card <laughs> as the title card pops up and uh we get that that sort of music uh comes back in kind of every time we cut back to them in the uh in the car in them playing cards in the club Uh, i think that's pretty cool and then yeah each uh, each uh, vignette is kind of accompanied by its own little unique score Um, i think the probably the most unique would probably be in the joker sequence because he has we have sort of the joker theme that they go back through throughout the series but it's played in like this over-the-top big band late night Uh, intro music style, which I thought was a very clever idea. It's so meta that the Joker would then make, like, you think that there's, like, a live orchestra there, who's like, play my theme song! Yeah, it's a real, like, fourth wall breaking (laughs) thing, but I I did love that quite a bit. Yeah, that was was good. Um, I thought there were, there's a couple moments, uh, you know, we get notes of each of um, each of the the villains' theme songs, we get a little bit of the Poison Ivy song at least and uh, her story. We get we don't get any of the Two Face or the Penguin themes, however, yes. in there. Their Interesting interestingly interestingly, uh, but yeah, the the jazz feel at the beginning of the episode when the title card plays and uh, we get we get kind of this introduction it kind of makes you feel like you're already there in the club with these guys. Uh, so mm. I, I did appreciate that. So Monica, I'm going to ask you, you as a visual person, I also tend to be a visual person, uh, c- critiquing something like, like, of course you're a human being, you can critique music, but like, is it harder for you to critique something when you have to like, listen to it to like, try and, cause you, clearly clearly, you, you were like able to break down the visuals in ways that we wouldn't be able to, but like audibly think- how, how do you? Uh, how I just, do my mind
1: goes to that. I mean, it's just what I notice. I know everybody picks, you know, what they have a, you know, knack for. Sure. Mm-hmm. So it's. Um, I think for me, it's. I always see the visuals right away. I see what color schemes that they use. Um, but for the music, I um, I really really love the the cabaret jazzy music in the beginning mm-hmm. it works perfectly I they couldn't have picked anything better absolutely so that, that works really great and how they every time they go back they're playing it mm-hmm. in the background so that works really great and then um and then we have a lot of dramatic music throughout with uh penguin and mm-hmm. um and and then when we go to uh, the jokers yeah that's the upbeat <laughs> Real, I think that works perfectly for, for the Joker and Harley, so yeah, it's um, I I I loved it. I love the music in it. I think it really enhances a lot of the visuals.
0: Absolutely, we talk about that a lot when we're, especially when we're reviewing Batman: in The Animated Series, and that's, it's just that it in and of itself, the music for this show. And it certainly played; it still plays a part in even Superman and Justice League and the other other shows that follow this. But especially with Batman in the animated series, yeah. music is almost its own character in a lot of episodes, and it adds so much atmosphere and it adds so much uh, to each scene. Where if it's missing, you you would it like. That's why we we talk about it every week when we review these episodes because it, it 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 adds so much. To the show itself.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It's just the intro music. Um, it just gives you chills.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. All right, Liam. So the I, I think musically here for me the standout again. I'm going to go back to the coin flipping scene and that the the Batman theme plays. That that opening Batman theme, that classic Shirley Walker Batman theme plays as he's sort of struggling to break free from the ties mm-hmm. on this and the, you know, the uh, the tensions are rising. and Is, is he going to escape before the coin lands and breaks every bone in his body or smashes him? And, of course, he does. And it sort of triumphantly comes in there. And there's a couple different spots in each of the vignettes where Batman, mm-hmm. Batman is victorious, that the, that the Shirley Walker theme sort of plays uh, triumphantly. Those were the highlights, I thought, for me. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think uh, we've talked about that quite a few episodes, but the way they kind of weave these recurring musical uh, uh, notes and crescendos that we hear in a lot of the episodes, how they weave them into the overall soundtrack of any given episode and, and sort of bring it in. You don't always expect it when it pops up, but it's obviously very familiar when you hear it. So yeah, they, uh, they did a great job with that. And uh, for all those reasons, I actually gave music in this one, a nine out of 10. Nice. Uh, I also gave music a nine out of 10. It's very, very strong. And, uh, yeah, I think this is one, again, if, if you have the ability to, this soundtrack is available for download, so you can listen to these songs sort of isolated. That adds uh, some of that, uh, maybe some enjoyment to that. Monica, what did, you, what did you give for music?
1: I gave it a 10. Yes. <laughs> nice. I, because it is so, they're so memorable. And um, they really stand out and uh, really enhance the visuals. Absolutely. So, yeah, a good solid 10.
0: Monica's love first it. ten of the show. I love it. Love it. All righty, all right. And last but not least, Liam, let us discuss our voice actors. We have a huge cast today, obviously, with the all of the rogues being here, and uh, of course, uh, a couple of the the additional characters featured here on this week's episode. Who are our players this week? Yeah, we have a lot of familiar faces this week. It's a who's who, honestly. Actually, yes, exactly. <laughs> we have uh, we have Richard Mull as Two Face. Uh, who I think does a tremendous job. I'm I'm just going to kind of go through the names and then we can kind of talk about them individually as they come up. But we have Paul Williams as Penguin. We have uh, Adrian Barbeau as Catwoman. We have Aaron Kincaid as, well, it says in the IMDb, it says he plays Croc, but actually he played Batman in this episode. Uh, Aaron Kincaid as Croc slash Batman. Um, And then of course we have Arlene Sorkin as Harley. We have Diane Pershing as Poison Ivy, and we have, uh, of course, our, our two the two main stars. We can't stop talking about that being Kevin Conroy's Batman, and of course, Mark Hamill as the Joker. And I will just note uh, my favorite, probably probably my favorite little uh, in gag that I waited till now to mention is uh, Mark Hamill mocking the idea of uh, uh, Mark Hamill's Joker mocking the idea of exploding pumpkins which is a really fun little meta joke because at the time he was also the voice of the hobgoblin on the Spider-Man cartoon.
1: And that's how I almost got him
0: with exploding pumpkins.
1: I'd like to hear you do better.
0: That was also on Fox kids in the nineties. So <laughs> I love that. I, you know, I love a little bit of meta, uh, you know, DC Marvel jabbing. I love that. Always fun. Always fun. Yeah. That was, that was a nice little, little turn there. Um, yeah i mean this is a who's who of of these legendary voice actors and uh monica when we talk about it a lot on the program also is you know when we're reading comic books so when we're reading you know batman the adventures continue and these characters show up these are the voices that we hear when these characters speak as we're reading through it these guys are just absolute legends and i feel like this their performances in this episode are really good
1: yeah i they were spot on it's high praise for all of them they're perfect
0: absolutely um i i would say really mark hamill as the joker is i may probably ultimately the star because he gets all he gets all the quips he gets all the 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 humor and the comedy in between and ultimately he is he is almost the one that foils batman sort of the most and sort i think his story gets the most screen time out of all of them for sure uh, but we also, of course, get Arlene Sorkin as Harley Quinn, and and she's she's featured in this in in a very small but funny role where she's sort of playing the Ed McMahon uh, <laughs> to, to the Joker and uh, and doing a great job at it. So, uh, I, really, really, really great. And I, I, ironically, I feel like Kevin Conroy has the least amount of work in this episode. <laughs> I say, like I said, Aaron Kincaid plays Batman for most of the episode, <laughs> so he only has a few lines, but. Yeah. He's uh of course he's great. And um, yeah, I, I think it is really fun. And I, uh, we mentioned this, uh, that, that Harley is like the final boss of this. I think Monica mentioned it when we were talking about plot, but how the whole time you assume once you realize it's Batman, you think, Oh, maybe he's, he's there to capture all the bad guys. But in that case, he's really just there to squeeze some information to go save Catwoman out of it. And then he still has to have this sort of brief confrontation with Harley before, before you can call it a night. Like, I think that's, that's kind of clever. And yeah, I always, we, again, like, like you said, Cal, it's these are the voices you sort of, Always associate with those characters, especially if you're if you're reading a comic or something like that. But and we don't yeah. get a lot of episodes. I think this is the only episode, that, other than maybe the the Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne, where we get a few of the villains together. This is the one and and Trial. Yes, where we get a we get a larger rogues gallery presence. Mm-hmm. But this features this is almost like you're sitting on the floor playing with your action figures, and you get you have right. all of your villains around around. And you get to play with all of them at the same time because there's there's not a lot of episodes shows that feature all of the or the main Batman rogues like this yeah and they mentioned that they were actually able to get uh, I think almost all of them with the exception of uh, Adrian Barbeau who plays Catwoman together to record at the same time along with Kevin Conroy Um, which again that's something we talk about a lot but you can all the the ability of these actors to play off of each other in person even though this is a, you know, in this case, they're only lending their voices, not their faces or, or their likeness, uh, their ability to to still be able to play off each other and to get all of these talented people in one room together to, uh, to uh, record was, uh, was certainly something special. And, and to my understanding, is not something that happens in animation recording very often. So. Yeah. It's, it's special. It's another thing that makes this, this whole series special. And obviously that's why we're talking about it, but, uh, there's actually also a very famous picture of the the crew that they got on this day recording, sort of all the voices together mm-hmm. with I think Bruce Tim and and maybe Paul Dini also there at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's uh, it's really really awesome. They were able to get everybody in the in the room and they were able to play off of each other. And they talk about uh, in that in that same uh, that commentary that we listened to. They talk about how mark hamill is just so dynamic in the way that he stands up at when he performs and waves his arms around a lot and while other people are kind of sitting sitting down and being a little bit more reserved <laughs> in their performances but like to be a, a fly on the wall in in that recording studio watching these greats record these lines like man w- how how awesome would that be absolutely yeah yeah so for for all the reasons that we've uh, we've talked about here i actually gave voice acting another 10 out of 10 Absolutely. Uh, I find, a, uh, f- find it hard to disagree with you, my friend. <laughs> I am also going to give this a perfect 10 out of 10. Monica, that leaves it to you. What is your score for voice acting?
1: 10, of course. A perfect
0: <laughs> 10 out of 10. Well, awesome. Well, that will, I think, lead us to... Oh, that is the sound we've not heard in quite a long time. That is our bonus point sound, meaning somebody here, at least one of us, has a bonus point. Uh, I don't believe it's me. Monica, do you have a bonus point for something? No, not Monica. So that must mean it's Liam. That must mean it's me. But yeah, uh, my bonus point is, and then we kind of briefly touched on this. I think you did, Cal, in plot. But the timeless nature of this story, I -hmm. think is such that you could see this being a comic in the 1950s with you know dick sprang doing the art or you could see like a grimmer and maybe a little more grittier version with like a denny o'neill neil adams tale from the 70s or you know a a jim lee you know jim lee drawn jeff loeb written story from the 2000s or in this case you know it just so happens to have fallen into the the mind the brilliant mind of, of paul dini who wrote this episode and him being able to bring that story to life, of course with Eric Radomsky, the director and all the amazing uh, you know, background artists, all these people that work together to bring the story to life. But to me, it, what really struck me was that, yeah, you could. this is a perfect Batman story because you could really tell it about any era of Batman and the story would still work. Like maybe the Death Traps would be a little more over the top if this was an Adam West episode but it's still like the essential core elements here are just such like classic, pure, unadulterated Batman that I think it really, it's just one of those stories that really like captures the heart of not only who Batman is, but who all of his rogues gallery are. I love that. I love that. So you're giving it a bonus point. I don't know how to, how I'm going to like surmise that, (laughs) summarize that and timeless story, timeless (laughs) story. Okay. Extra bonus point for timeless nature of the story. All right. Perfect. Uh, well, I think that will bring us to tallying up our final scores here at the end. Uh, tallying everything up for me, I end up with a 38 out of 40. Very, very strong. And I am just behind you there with a 37 out of 40. And Maka, what about you? A uh,
1: 38.
0: There you go. Perfect. All right. So the other thing that we do at the end when we're done talking here, Monica, is we talk about rewatchability. So we talk about is this an episode that you would watch over and over and over again? If you're recommending this to somebody, would you recommend this episode? Uh, so I I will throw it over to you first. Is is this worthy of rewatchability?
1: <laughs> of course it is. It's a must. It's, yeah. I would say to get a nice feel for hearing the villains pov that it's a must to see them in their natural element and uh, see their the dynamics between them and break away from just always seeing batman's point of view absolutely not must yeah
0: absolutely yeah i think i think this is an episode that yeah if you're in especially if you're introducing someone to the series if this is literally their first time like this would be on the short list of episodes if like if you're going to watch five uh, five episodes of batman i think this has to be on the list of one of them maybe along with that mr freeze episode or or some of the other fun visual episode, you know, that maybe are more fun visually, but like this one, I think just because, yeah, you get a little sampling of all of these different villains and you get all these fun little stories that all work together to eventually tell this final story of of Batman saving Catwoman at the end. So, yeah, I think this is this is an easy must watch for sure. I agree with both of you. This is a, this is a must watch. Uh, If you're writing down a list of of episodes that you're going to recommend to somebody that has never watched this before this is a not only is it fun uh it incorporates a lot of the batman rogues you said mm-hmm. um get you get a great idea of, of of various different visuals and art styles and incorporating just the just the beauty of the animation it also incorporates everything that this is known for between great voice acting tremendous uh music mm-hmm. tremendous artwork and then a plot that's not only easy to follow but it's fun yes. and and feels authentically batman mm-hmm. uh so yeah I, I would definitely go with uh this is definitely a <laughs> thumbs up two thumbs up way up <laughs> for, for sure free watchability All right. Well, that will begin to wrap us up here. First and foremost, we would like to thank the wonderful best friend of the program, Monica Gavina, for being here. Thanks for joining us this week, Monica. It was such a pleasure to have you on and hear your perspective on this classic Batman, the animated series episode.
1: Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Do you have anything that you want to plug anything that we can, I know that the good folks at home can follow you on social media. Um, Anything else that we should know about?
1: yeah uh the special that's um coming out in january i believe is it? all right
0: i, I yeah. think they solicited it for december but maybe it's january oh, really? i think it, okay. i think it is solicited anyway. for january oh. I, I think i think monica's right on this he one. would know he would know and you would probably know better so january
1: <laughs> i'm starting on it next week so awesome
0: all right <laughs> well we are certainly course.
1: and i also have flashbacks i don't know when that's coming out it's a kid's um uh, book about weather cool science. so yeah
0: that's awesome awesome well i'm sure we will we'll do our best to help you promote that once that yeah, happens so um you can follow monica on twitter and on instagram you're at monica Kubina, i believe right
1: yes i think i'm monica dot on um on instagram
0: Perfect, Monica on Instagram mo- at Monica Cubino on Twitter. Follow her. She's not only a great artist, she's a great person, and Absolutely. has been uh, so kind to us, as we said. So, Monica, thank you so much for coming on this week. It's like I said, it's been it's been an honor.
1: All right, awesome. Thank
0: you, guys. All right, Liam. What an honor to have Monica Gubina. Make sure you check out her artwork. Make sure you check out Batman: The Adventures Continue. Also, her amazing artwork in that we didn't mention we mentioned that a couple times, but make sure you go out. Uh, purchase those when you get a chance either digitally or go get the hard copies or go get the trade paperback when it is out and definitely check out the holiday special when it comes liam uh we are excited here as we said we are kicking off a month of batman the animated series which means we are covering yet another episode next week Uh, do you have a preview for what we'll be covering yes i do in fact we will be picking up at the very next episode in the production order which is, in fact, uh, we talked about him a little bit this week. He gets his own episode uh, for the first time in a while, and that being the penguin in "Birds of a Feather," uh, which I think is another episode that tends to rank very highly in a lot of people's uh, best of lists that we uh, we mentioned earlier with uh, with Monica. But uh, we we will uh, it remains to be seen whether or not we agree that it belongs at that spot. So, looking forward to looking back at another very memorable episode next week. We got a pretty exciting month coming up. Absolutely. Uh, so don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DCAU Review. Be sure to check us out uh, for previews of upcoming episodes, a bunch of conversations about the DCAU, all of that happening on our social media. Don't forget to also check out the website at DCAUreview.com. You can also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Or uh, iHeartRadio, also a lot of other podcasts were available on. You can check those out. Uh, don't forget, if you can, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get our uh, podcast out to more people. Uh, also, uh, if you want to support the program, you can check out our shop at dcareview.com. Just go and click on the shop tab. Uh, we don't do po- podcast ads uh on purpose because we don't like <laughs> podcast ads so if you want to support the podcast in any sort of way uh go ahead and you can pick up a shirt or a hat or something like that but uh liam this has been a fun episode uh man how cool is monica she she's the best uh we've said it before we'll say it again she's uh she's the greatest it's so nice of her to take the time out to uh to do this episode with us and to be game for uh letting us uh nerd out on her uh, so much as well so and, and follow the format she yes the she knew she perfectly. followed the format perfectly and uh yeah uh hearing her perspective especially on the uh the artistic and visual side of this episode was fascinating i feel like i learned something which is also pretty cool um we're so, not just we're not just a podcast we also learn things on right the podcast exactly sometimes. that's right so uh, fun yeah. and educational yeah she she did a great job and it's again so kind of her to take the time out to be a part of our show and uh, to be so kind to us uh, as we uh, have created a uh, relationship with her over the last few months so uh, yeah thank you so much to her and thank you to everybody for listening absolutely well i look forward to checking out birds of a feather next week with you but until then i'm cal and i'm liam and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the dcau review adios